0: chapter twenty six of marjorie dean high school freshman by pauline lester this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by ashley jane chapter twenty six letting bygones be bygones Marjorie touched the button of the electric bell for admittance, but her finger had scarcely left it when the door was opened by her mother, who regarded her daughter with mingled amazement and alarm. "'Why, Marjorie!' she cried. "'What has happened to you?' "'Don't be frightened, Mother. I know I look awfully funny.' Marjorie stepped into the hall with a superb disregard for her strange appearance, assumed with a view to calming Mrs. Dean's fears. I, a canoe tipped over, and I helped one of the girls out of the river and got wet. My clothes are down at the boathouse, drying. Jerry went home and brought back some of hers for me. That's why I look so different. She didn't come here for fear of scaring you.' "'You have been in the river?' "'Gasped her mother in horror. "'And it's unusually high just now. "'But it didn't hurt me a bit,' averred Marjorie cheerfully. "'I can swim, and someone had to help Marcia. "'Come upstairs with me while I get into my own clothes, "'and I'll tell you all about it.' "'They had reached her room, "'and Mrs. Dean was eyeing her lively little lieutenant doubtfully. "'Are you sure you feel well, Marjorie?' she asked anxiously perfectly splendid captain was the extravagant assurance as marjorie gently backed her mother into a chair i'm going to get out of jerry's clothes and into my own and then we'll have a nice comfy old talk slipping into a one-piece frock of blue linen marjorie brushed her dampened brown curls thoroughly dry and let them fall over her shoulders placing a sofa pillow on the floor close to her mother she settled herself cosily at her mother's side and leaned against her knee looking far more like a little girl than a young woman of seventeen it was a very long talk for there was much to be said and it lasted until the sun dropped low in the west and the early twilight shadows fell a sudden loud ring of the doorbell sent marjorie scurrying to the door she opened it to find a messenger-boy bearing a long white box with the name of Sanford's Principal Florist upon it. "'For Miss Marjorie Dean,' said the boy, handing her the box. "'Oh!' ejaculated the surprised lieutenant, almost dropping the box in her astonishment. Carrying it to the living-room table, she lifted the lid and exclaimed again over its fragrant contents, Exquisite, long-stemmed pink roses had been someone's tribute to Marjorie, and a card tucked in among their perfumed petals proclaimed that someone to be Harold Macy. At the bottom of the card was inscribed in Hal's boyish hand, To my friend Marjorie Dean, a real heroine marjorie had scarcely recovered from this pleasant shock when her father appeared upon the scene and gathered her into his arms with an anxious how's my brave little lieutenant why general who told you cried marjorie i never dreamed you'd hear of it it came to me through mr arnold who has the office next to mine said mr dean Mrs. Arnold telephoned him as soon as her daughter reached home. She was afraid he might hear an incorrect report of it from some other source. "'We never thought of that. "'We should have telephoned you, but it's my fault. "'I kept Mother up in my room and talked so long to her "'that she forgot it,' avowed Marjorie apologetically. "'It's too late for apologies.' "'Mr. Dean assumed an air of deep injury.' then he laughed and drew from his coat pocket a small package here's an appreciation of bravery he declared to the brave belongs the golden circlet of courage we might also call it your commission to first lieutenancy i think you've won your promotion marjorie's second surprise was a gold bracelet delicately chased for which she had sighed more than once Sunday dawned as radiantly as had the preceding day. Marjorie went to church in a peculiarly exalted mood and came home feeling at peace with the world. After dinner she took a book and went out into a little vine-covered pagoda built at one end of the lawn, which was fitted with rustic seats and a small table. Here it was that she and her captain had planned to spend many of the long summer afternoons reading and sewing, and it was here that Marcia found her. "'I have something for you, Marjorie,' she said in a low voice. Then she opened a little silver mesh bag, and drawing forth a small glittering object, handed it to the other girl. Marjorie's eyes opened wide. With a gurgle of joy she caught the little object and fingered it lovingly. "'My very own butterfly! Where in the world did you find it, Marcia?' "'I didn't find it,' returned Marcia huskily. "'Then who did?' "'Mignon. She found it the day after you lost it. I don't like to tell you these things, but I believe it is right that you should know. She kept it merely to hurt you. She knew you were fond of it. Muriel told her all about your receiving it as a farewell gift from your friends. I—I I am to blame, too. I knew she had it. She intended to give it back after a while. Then she saw Miss Stevens with one like it and noticed the queer way you looked at her pin in French class that day. She is very shrewd and observing.' she suspected that you girls had quarrelled and so she put two and two together she actually hates miss stevens and told me she would never give the pin back if she could make miss stevens any trouble by keeping it then she went to miss archer and told her about the bracelet and the pin too marcia paused looking miserable miss archer sent for me and questioned me about my pin said marjorie gravely She is vexed with me still, because I wouldn't say anything. You see, I had misjudged Constance. I thought she had found it and kept it. It is only lately that I learned what a dreadful mistake I made. I think I ought to let you know, Marcia, that Constance is in Sanford. She is coming back to school on Monday and going straight to Miss Archer's office to prove her innocence.' Constance was Cinderella at the dance Friday night. Jerry made her come to the party on purpose to bring us together. Constance's butterfly pin was a present from her aunt. We know the truth about Mignon's bracelet, too. Did you know that Mignon never lost it, Marcia? She only pretended that she had. The secretary shook her head in emphatic denial. I'm not guilty of that, at least.' I hope I'll never do anything underhanded or dishonourable again. It's dreadful to think that Miss Archer will have to know what a despicable girl I've been, but that's part of my punishment. I suppose she won't have me for her secretary any more." Marcia's face wore an expression of complete resignation. She had been a party to a dishonourable act, and her reaping promised to be bitter indeed. "'It means a whole lot to you to be secretary, doesn't it, Marcia?' asked Marjorie slowly. "'Yes. This is my third year. I've been saving the money to go to college. Father couldn't afford to pay all my expenses. I—' Marcia broke down and covered her face with her hands. Marjorie regarded the secretary with a puzzled frown. She was apparently turning over some problem in her mind. Marcia, how did you obtain my butterfly from Mignon?' Marcia's hands dropped slowly from her face. "'I went to her house this morning and made her give it to me. "'She tried to make me promise that I would say she found it only a day or two ago. "'I didn't promise. I'm glad I can say that. "'Would you go with me to her home?' asked Marjorie abruptly i have thought of a way to settle the whole affair without miss archer knowing about either of you oh if it could only be settled among ourselves cried marcia clasping her hands i'll go with you she is at home this afternoon too i came from her house here wait just a moment then until i run indoors for my hat marjorie walked briskly across the lawn to the house she was back in a twinkling a pretty white flower-trimmed hat on her head, carrying a white fluffy parasol that matched her dainty lingerie gown. "'How beautiful Mignon's home is!' she exclaimed softly as they entered the beautiful grounds of the La Salle estate and walked up the broad driveway bordered with maples. "'There's Mignon on the veranda. She is alone. I am glad of that.' "'What are you going to say to her?' asked marcia her curiosity getting the better of her dejection for mignon had risen with a muttered exclamation and was coming toward them with the quick cat-like movements that so characterized her what do you mean marcia arnold she began fiercely by miss arnold is not responsible for our call this afternoon miss lasalle broke in marjorie coolly I asked her to come here with me. Mignon glared at the other girl in speechless anger. Her roving black eyes suddenly spied the butterfly pinned in the lace folds of Marjorie's frock. Oh, I see, she sneered. You think I'm going to tell you all about your trumpery butterfly pin. You are mistaken. I shall tell you nothing. I believe I am in possession of all the facts concerning my butterfly, returned Marjorie dryly, and also those relating to your supposedly lost bracelet. Supposedly lost? repeated Mignon, arching her eyebrows. Have you found it? If you have, give it to me at once. There is only one person who can do that, said Marjorie gravely. And that person is you. The betraying colour flew to the French girl's cheeks. What do you mean? she asked, but her voice shook. Why do you ask me that? retorted Marjorie, with sudden impatience. You know that on the night of the Western dance you pretended you had lost your bracelet in order to throw suspicion on Miss Stevens. Someone saw you lay your bracelet on the dressing table. The same person saw you leave the room, return a few minutes afterward, and pick it up from the table. How could you be so cruel and dishonourable? It isn't true, stormed Mignon. Constance Stevens is a thief. A thief, do you hear? And when she comes back to Sanford, the school shall know it. No. "'Constance Stevens is not a thief. "'You are the real thief,' said Marjorie with quiet condemnation. "'Knowing the butterfly-pin to be mine, you kept it for many weeks. "'However, I did not come here to quarrel with you. "'I came to help Marcia and to save you from the effects of your own wrongdoing. "'Constance Stevens is in Sanford. She is going to Miss Archer tomorrow to prove her innocence. I am going with her. The girl who knows the truth about your bracelet will be there, too. You knew long ago that Constance's butterfly pin was her very own. Of course I knew it, sneered Mignon. There was a look of consternation in her eyes, however. Then that is another point against you. You do not deserve to be let off so easily but for Marcia's sake I am going to say that if you will go with Constance and me to Miss Archer tomorrow morning and withdraw your charges against Constance, stating that you have your bracelet, we will never mention the subject again. Meet me in Miss Archer's outer office at twenty minutes past eight. She did not even turn to look at the discomfited Mignon as she issued her command. Marjorie, said marcia hesitatingly as they walked in silence down the poplar shaded street shall i had i do you wish me to go with you to miss archer marjorie cast a quick searching glance at the thoroughly repentant junior what for she smiled ignoring all that had been they had now come to where their ways parted marjorie held out her hand we are going to be friends for ever and always, aren't we, Marcia? Marcia clasped the extended hand with fervour. Forever and always, she repeated, and through all their high school days that followed, she kept her word. Three unusually silent young women met in Miss Archer's living-room office the next morning and awaited their opportunity to see the principal. Miss Archer will see you, Marcia Arnold informed them after a wait of perhaps five minutes, and the trio filed into the inner office. Good morning, girls, greeted Miss Archer, viewing them searchingly. Miss Stevens, I am glad that you have returned, but I am sorry to say that during your absence I have heard a number of unpleasant rumors concerning you. Constance flushed. Then her colour receded, leaving her very white. Before the principal could continue, Marjorie's earnest tones rang out. "'Miss Archer, Miss Stevens and I had a misunderstanding. "'When you asked me about it, I could not tell you. "'It has since been cleared away. "'My butterfly pin has been found, but it was not the one Miss Stevens wore. "'See, here are the two pins.' "'Mine has no pearls at the tip of the wings.' She extended her open palm to the principal. In it lay two butterfly pins, precisely alike, save for the pearl-tipped wings of the one. Miss Archer looked long at the pins. Then she lifted them to meet the blue and the brown eyes, whose gaze was fastened earnestly upon her. What she saw seemed to satisfy her. She held out her hand to Marjorie and Constance in turn. "'They are very alike,' was her sole comment, as Marjorie returned Constance's pin. Then Miss Archer turned to Mignon. "'I am sorry I accused Miss Stevens of taking my bracelet,' murmured Mignon sulkily. "'I have it in my possession. Here it is.' She thrust out an unwilling wrist, on which was the bracelet. I am glad that you have exonerated Miss Stevens from all suspicion." Miss Archer's quiet face expressed little of what was going on in her mind. I am also thankful that an apparently serious matter has been so easily settled. She did not offer her hand to Mignon, who left the office without answering. A moment later Marjorie and Constance were in the outer office standing at Marcia Arnold's desk. It's all settled, Marcia, with no names mentioned, she said reassuringly. Goodbye. We'll see you later. We'll have to hurry or we'll be late for the opening exercises. In the corridor outside the study hall, Marcia and Constance paused by common consent and faced each other. Connie, dear. Marjorie said softly There's only a little more than a month of our freshman year left It isn't very much time, but I believe we won't have to try very hard to make up in happiness for what we've lost I'm so happy this morning and so grateful to you Marjorie for all you've done for me and Most of all for your friendship was Constance's earnest answer I hope you will never have cause to question my loyalty, and that next year we'll be sophomore chums, tried and true. We'll simply have to be, laughed Marjorie with joyous certainty, for I don't see how we can very well get along without each other. End of chapter 26 Recording by Ashley Jane End of Marjorie Dean, High School Freshman by Pauline Lester